disclaimer. Uh, the topics we are going to dis uh, talk about today are, are in, meant in no way to influence your opinions or thoughts on the matter. It is just some things we wish to discuss and talk about to reveal to our audience. Welcome everybody to a new episode of Myths That Made Us, where we analyze myths and legends in the United States that were passed on from generations and determine how they have impacted our culture and our history. We're your hosts, Alanis Davila, Jewel Jason, and Sugar Eva. Before we get started on today's topic, how was everyone's weekend? Do you want to go first? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. I mean, I guess the biggest thing was probably the SAT, right? Oh, totally. So, I mean, for such a thing that people have been hyping up since the start of high school, it wasn't really that bad, I guess. Like, yeah. people thought it was, people were stressing about it a lot, especially me too. But after I was finished, it was like, oh, that was okay, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, at the moment, it was a bit stressful, like when it all started. And I did find it to be way more hard than the practice tests, which in my opinion, you know, like, wasn't kind of, they did us kind of dirty. Because it's like, why are we practicing so much if it's not going to be the same level of difficulty? But it's whatever, because we got that, you know, done, so here we are. How about you, Shuka? Um, yeah, I was a bit nervous at first, but after we took the practice, I was okay. So it wasn't really that big of a deal. At least we're almost done with school. Only about like a month left. Ooh, um, yeah. What are yeah. you guys to spend for like summer and stuff? Summer? I'm probably gonna like research college and stuff because I have oh. no idea what I'm doing. Oh, college. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm thinking of applying to Northern and Southern, especially Southern because I really like the campus and like everything. So that's like my top college right now. Nice. Um, but what do you guys want to major in? Um, I'm not sure yet, to be honest. Uh, for me, I, I think I might be looking into like computer science or IT. Ooh, that's so cool. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it was mostly because of the electives I took here. Right. It's because of that, like, I thought, oh, wait, maybe I might actually like this stuff. But I got to look into it more, so. Right. Well, I'm thinking 3D animation. So, I nice. think I'm pretty set on that. Well. Alright, so let's move on to today's topic. Today we'll be covering the myths, legends, and stories of World War II. Alright, so to start us off, uh, my myth, well, it's more of an urban legend, is Perak, um, which was an urban legend originated from the Sheslo, Shes, I'm so sorry, Czechoslovak city of Prague during the German occupation of Sh I am having a hard time pronouncing these names. Czech Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. Also, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and it was like during World War Two, obviously. So, okay. Before we get into what actually Perak is, uh, we gotta talk about Spring Hill Jack, which was originated in Victorian England, and it was like. It was sort of like a Dracula type of person with like red eyes, like really demon-like appearance. Um, and he had claws and like fangs and all of that. And it was said that he would jump like, his jumps were like incredibly like massive, like like no human, there's no way a human could do make jumps that high. So pretty much what he would do is like he would like kill people and like uh, steal like, 
women away from their houses, which was kind of weird, anyways. Um, he would just like pretty much. I saw this one photo, and it was literally just like his uh, her husband was like like calling her, and she was like on on uh, Spring Hill Jack's um, arms and stuff, and she was like screaming, and it's like, what is going on? I have no idea. It was really crazy. Um, so pretty much what happened, uh, like to cope with that, people would be like scared of going out at nine stuff um because like they thought that he would appear and he would like either like kill them or like rob them or anyways the thing is that spring hill jack was a no-no like people were scared people didn't like him it was it was like a bad thing um people claim to have seen him like the first sighting was maybe like 1837 um obviously this is word to word like word of mouth so like you gotta take it like with tweezers because you know um and yeah people will say that he was tall and thin so that's pretty much where people think like spring um perak comes from however perak has more of a um is more of a superhero hero that's what people would like say of him because uh, he would pretty much like attack um, he fought Nazi, na Nazis, he blew up uh, military vehicles, like Nazi military vehicles. He wrote graffiti, uh, anti-Nazi um, stuff around to raise the morale for the people of, of the Czech Republic. Um, so yeah, he would uh, like save civilians from Nazi attacks. Obviously this is, well, just an urban legend, like, you know, he wasn't actually like there wasn't an actual person going around so the thing is that he would also do like this massive jumps from like rooftop to rooftop and he'll have like um like springs on his uh shoes and people like pretty much uh what they said said about him is that he was like this um he was just like a common man that invented like the shoes he was wearing and that's why he can make those big leaps so obviously uh, he got like a more i guess mundane explanation to why he came to be but yeah um that's pretty much my legend and he got some uh like stories like made of him in like comic books and all of those that thing so it was like really popular especially like between little kids because it was like oh yeah like this horrible thing is happening however there's literally a superhero fighting for us which was just like a thing people used to help them cope with the time and like not lose hope so yeah oh so for this you also said uh, before that like um what what were his other features like like um what did he wear or anything? Did um he will wear um uh a helmet like he will wear a helmet when what I saw he really looked like you know those um like circus acrobats that like shoot off uh, like a cannon it was really similar like his clothing um. So yeah, he of course back then they, he really didn't have a lot of colorized um like drawings of him, so I couldn't really find that. So what I mostly found was just like um him in like maybe like brownish pants and stuff like that. However, 
um, I'm not sure how much of that is just lack of material for the time and how much of that is like that's the actual uniform. So yeah. Also, one thing I noted that was quite interesting was like how he's like a vigilante, you know, like a hero running yeah. around beating up Nazis and then like you said he had a helmet yeah. or something. Um, it sounds, and then like, it sounds a lot like, you know, another superhero we know like Batman, right? Yeah. Jumping from rooftop to rooftop, fighting villains and like just a common man, so. Yeah, no, yeah, um, I, that, now that you bring that up, I kind of want to see like what were the origins for Batman and stuff. Um, it also reminded me a little bit of Captain America, because you know, like how he was like the superhero, the it superhero of the World War II. So, but that was for Americans. So maybe this was it for, you know, for them. So it's kind Essentially, of Essentially, it was based, it was like um, the materialization of people's like hope then? Yeah. Which is in Yeah, definitely, exactly. It was like, it was just, um, I'm trying to think of a way to relate it to current times, but I feel like we don't really have any new superheroes that we can like, you know, talk about. But um, I yeah, pretty much like at that moment, it was just like a way for people to kind of like cope and raise the morale around. So yeah. That was an interesting myth. <laughs> so um, I guess we'll move on next to mine. Uh, my myths, so during my research I learned about the ghost armies of World War II and when I heard that of course I had to look into it and um, These armies were quite interesting. Basically, they weren't real armies. They were these fake props tanks and like inflatable balloons or like uh, inflatable tanks and vehicles to like try to fool the enemy so oh. That's that was like a really cool thing. I, I heard about it before as well Basically, they would put out like fake tanks in areas so that from the air it looks like a real tank and they can like bait enemies into attacking them so they waste their resources. But it also could like scare people away as well. They would also put fake dummy soldiers and other noises to make it seem like it's a real place with real people. And then they can like uh, one strategy they talked about is they put out dummies. And then a sniper might shoot at the dummies, and when they do, they can find out where that sniper is and pinpoint the oh. enemy's location. And so there's also people who did camouflage and other stuff like that. But the most famous example was Operation Mincemeat, which was a really interesting story that probably could have potentially had an impact on the war itself. It's basically where the, they decided to take a dead soldier who died of like diseases and they gave him a brand new identity and named him Major William Martin and gave him official credentials and other like banking stuff and stuff and like a note from a girlfriend or something <laughs> to make it seem like he was a real person that's still alive. And then he was given a suitcase containing documents saying that the allies are going to invade Greece oh. and say that the invasion of uh, Sicily, which is what they were trying to invade, they, in that document, it said the invasion of Sicily was a cover-up. So, and then later, through radio transmission, they say, oh, a plane was sunk in the Mediterranean, and this person cannot be found. And the Germans intercepted that radio, and they found the body with these credentials. And they actually believed it. They believed the story. Oh, wow. 
and they moved quite a lot of troops from Sicily over to Greece, which made the Allies' invasion of Sicily a lot easier, which is a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. No, like, totally. I find it, it's kind of a fun, like, funny story, because it's, like, they all use dummies. Like, yeah. imagine doing that today. Just, like, inflatable people around, like, that's kind of, okay. Um, I wonder how the, how it, like, I want to see how it actually looks like. If maybe by today's standards, they would still look, like, um, credible, I guess. So, yeah, I wonder in, in a way, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure in a way we could still do that today. Maybe it would just take, like, a bit of more, um, um, like, production, I guess to make it seem more real at this moment. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, there are more like usable resources now to make them seem more realistic if they would do that now. Well, I wonder what the difficulty was moving all of the inflatables and stuff and then inflating them without being popped. Like, I feel like that should have been a lot harder than it. I just imagine them yeah. like pumping <laughs> every single time they, they gotta like inflate them again, just like, soldiers pumping them yeah i guess it was actually pretty easy to like bring it around because you know these are inflatable so you can like fold them into like probably a suitcase but right. then obviously they'll have to inflate it and it's there's all there's videos of like them like with these inflatable tanks and it's kind of funny because you can just see a one man flip over a tank <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that but i guess the real value in that was that it probably saved a lot of actual human lives or actual no yeah stuff so Maybe in today's standards, it would be cool if they do something like that again, except with robotics. So, mm. like, maybe they can do simple robot parts and make, like, something that moves as well. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, Shuka, talk, uh, tell us a bit about yours. Alright, so my myth is about the bombing, the nuclear bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, the myth that it saved a million lives, a million American lives. So, it was basically propaganda to ease the nerves of Americans bombing innocent people, claiming that they saved a million American lives by sacrificing a few hundred thousand um, lives in another continent which kind of separated themselves from the victims. And so basically that, that wasn't really true. That was just something that was made up by a government official and they used someone else who wrote an essay, but he didn't actually write it. The government official did it and they posted it. And I guess it kind of creeped into people's minds and they started believing it. But in reality, there were about 80,000 people from Hiroshima and 40,000 from Nagasaki who died in the explosion and that's excluding other things like radiation poisoning and diseases and people had no chance of recovery, small chance of recovery and if they did recover they're very fragile and in the bombing it killed about half of the doctors and injured the rest which prohibited them from saving potential lives. So the numbers added up and that would definitely affect more than a million people. And John Hersey, the person our school is named after, even wrote a book on it. Um, he, he followed six lives 
and their how they were affected after the war and what they did to help people. And basically the radiation sickness and diseases still played a major part even after the bombing and people were still too injured to do things. People lost jobs and they had to rebuild their entire cities and towns. And another reason that the bombing stopped the war was because of pressure from Russia. That also played a huge role in it. So even without the bombing, it might have just stopped anyways. So some people are skeptical of whether it was worth dropping the bomb or not. But yeah, that was basically what the story was about. I feel it's just like kind of sad that America decided, you know, this war is too long and I get it. Like it, it was going on for so long, but to end it off with like two, not, not just one, just two atomic bombs that like, they, they don't even know the expanse of the destruction and like how it, there's probably still like radiation there as well but they just basically they tested it like a few times i think in like the u.s i forgot where it was but and then they just dropped it on them because they didn't comply but it's just like you know the documentary we had seen a while ago it's just kind of sad to see like how their lives were affected like rarely anyone survived that and yeah. even if they did, it was like high maintenance to keep them alive, so... No, yeah, I also think, like, is the bombing of Hiroshima and uh, Nagasaki was literally like, like, slapping somebody and then they body slam you. Like, it's like, it was so out of proportion. It's, and it's outrageous because it was people that had nothing to do with the war. Like, I feel like people don't understand. Um, cause sure, Pearl Harbor, they were attacking the, the, the Navy, that's part of the military, I get that. But it was literally like innocent people, like, and not saying that people at Pearl Harbor weren't, but at least, like, I can see how that would be motivated because of the war, but this was just, and to some extent, even petty, cause all of these, those lives, like, I, I still remember, uh, that one part where it was like a mother was holding her headless baby and it's like that was just so shocking like and of course the mother died shortly after but still like it's, it's just so mind-blowing and obviously those people of course didn't deserve that and even the the um, the ones that were gonna drop the bomb after they were testing it they were like oh this might be a bad idea like after they saw the complete like destruction that was gonna happen the next day it was like yeah this you know this might be a little bit too much but i guess maybe learn because you know yeah hopefully this disaster stops any countries from dropping bombs on anyone else in the future no, yeah, and the thing is that if that happens uh, today, I'm pretty sure other countries will retaliate, and I'm pretty sure that's how we're gonna go extinct. Cause there's no way that one country drops a, an atomic bomb and the other one just doesn't. Like I feel like once one country starts it, like it's just gonna keep going and going and going, which is kind of like, like scary. Cause you know, like it, it could happen at any time. Well, not literally, but. If it were to happen, there's nothing we can do about it. And that's like really, you know, kind of nerve-wracking. But I guess the reason 
uh, why we shouldn't be too afraid about it is that like after the war, after people researched the effects of the nuclear radiation, they realized how this could be the extinction of humans. So they decided to like make treaties and promises with each other to never use such warfare again, which we kind of see in like today's world as well. They like refrain from using that ever, you know? Yeah, I hope so. um, that humans have improved enough to get past something so horrible and it probably shouldn't show up in the future. Yeah, no, of course. Um, well, uh, we just gotta hope for the best. And um, on that note, <laughs> well, thank you so much for hearing us out ramble about our little war stories. Um, we hope you all have a great day. And we were your hosts, Alanis Davila, Tito Ibe, and Jewel Jason. Have a great evening.